This is a Soulfire production. All right, so we're pressing record <laughs> because you're missing all the funny bloopers. Uh, yep. <laughs> you're missing all the funny bloopers. I'm a long way, Laura. I, <laughs> he's making fun of me because, you guys, I have one of my best friends on the planet here, Valentine Wudo, and he has been um, a friend, a business partner, a mentor, just a road dog for over 10 years now in my life. And though I feel like I've known him forever and he has been my like, he's been so many things for me. But one of the things that he's been is my tech crew. And he's laughing because I finally figured out. (laughs) He just reminded me that I used to have a Blackberry. And the only reason I got rid of a Blackberry is because he made me. Because I made you get rid of that. What's wrong with you? I forgot I had a Blackberry. I would still have a Blackberry if it weren't for Valentine. And now I know how to work um, a Sure microphone. So thank you for all that you've imparted into me. Oh, man, I'm so proud of you. You come a long way. A long way. (laughs) I may have come a long way, but it feels like we as a nation um, have not. And so I wanted to bring you on today because I value your perspective on so many topics. Like you're one of the people that I call just to talk to about anything in life, like whether it's about tech, like we just said, whether it's about business, whether it's about um, relationships, whether it's about um, money, whether it's about business, whether it's about um, race issues. Like I just call to talk to you because I so value your opinion you how you word things and just the deep deep kindness in your heart and the place that you always come from so you guys val is so many things val is um a nurse an entrepreneur a uh thought leader a uh philanthropist an activist um he runs his own podcast he does so many things um he listens to his heart's call all the time and he takes action no matter what the cost. And he was on his way actually to Ghana to start to build nutrition clubs about two or three months ago. All the time is blurred at this point in my life. I have no idea what day it is, time it is, century it is. But, um, and he turned around because of coronavirus and he said, I actually need to serve at this time. I'm called to serve at this time. He took himself out to New York to hit the front lines. And he has been serving all of us on the front lines in New York as an ICU nurse for the past two months. He's out there for another month. And I just want to thank you for who you are, what you've done. You're a true hero in so many ways. So I don't even know where to begin because I just feel like there's so many topics we could cover here today together. Um, whether it's on entrepreneurship, living in alignment, following your heart, uh, service on so many levels, listening to the call. But, but right now what we're facing in America seems like a never ending pit of grief and sadness and anger and rage and so many collective emotions coming to the surface. And, um, I know you're in the heat of it in New York, like you needed a lot more to be involved with there. So I would just, <laughs> I don't, I don't necessarily know where we want to start, but I want people to know you first. If I, if I didn't do the best job introducing you, I will, I will try to, <laughs> to recap it again when we're done, but I love you. And thanks for being on here uh, with me today. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I, the honor is all mine. I appreciate it. And um, yeah, like you said, we've, we've had so many, so many conversations and 
what a better, I mean, there's no better way right now to, um, to continue that than to have a conversation like the one we normally have on a public medium. And I just have to say, I'm proud of you for initiating this, starting this. So whatever we're going to talk about, I, I'm, I promise it's going to be with all my heart. And I just really hope that it touches lives so that we can push things forward. Because that's what this is about. That's what this is about. So Look thank you forward again. and give back, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, mm-hmm. All right, Val. So you're in New York. Uh, you've been there for three months. What has what what or two months? What have these last 60 days um, shown you? Well, um, Good okay, luck. well, maybe do it in like yeah, five points, <laughs> bullet points. What a question. Jeez Louise. <laughs> OK, so I would say, uh, look, I mean, there's there's it's become twofold. Right. Um, because of recent events, uh, we have we first started off with COVID. So we have the coronavirus and all the craziness about that. Coming here, having to face a lot of uncertainty. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. No idea. What's crazy was my flight was March 17th, right? And so I'm thinking, okay, you uh, the U.S. at the time, they had shut down. They now banned all travelers from Europe coming into the United States. That's when that first happened, but they gave UK an exception. And then they said, you know what? UK too. Oh, you know, it's just bad, you know? <laughs> so that was then. And then what happens, a lot more African countries started to now ban U.S. travelers. And so there was a, I got the notice that the Ghana had banned all U.S. travelers. So I said, well, since I'm staying here, um, I'm going to, make myself useful. And so I talked to an agency and literally the next week I was out there in New York city. And of course here, two months later, I'm still here. So, I mean, I can't begin to tell you what I experienced when I started working at one of the hospitals, something like a, a, a movie. So I'm going to talk about things on a larger scale. I've learned that number one, our government, Things are not what they seem. Things are not what they seem at all. Um, and we have a lot of work as people, um, not only the government, but we do. Like our immune system, I learned that COVID isn't really the issue. The issue is our immune systems. You know, um, they say that 80% of the people who contract COVID, that you most likely you'll be at home, you go through it, and then your body will fight it. But the 20%, um, are the people who get hospitalized. But for the United States, we've had larger numbers than any other country who are dying um, of COVID, but not because it's COVID. Remember, it's because we're the most obese country. Uh, we're one of the most obese countries in the world, right? And then also because of the nature of the average American, how much we work, just our, how, how our, the, Ameri- the psyche of the average American, it's, it has led to increased stress which suppresses your immune system. So this is all immune system problems that if we had a structural change in how we live our our everyday lives, things would be drastically different. Things would be so different. Um, Which is why, by the way, 10 years ago, you and I started working together because you wanted to be on the other side of it. You wanted to be on the preventative side. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, once again, I, I know someone, I know someone, a friend of a friend, who I asked to talk to just to help her go through it. 
And so I got to, to talk to her on the phone. She told me about her symptoms. And I said, okay, this is what you need to do. And she kept a log of what was going on. I mean, she's in her, her um, uh, late 20s. Um, she's otherwise very healthy. So yes, she went through the shortest of breath. She went through the fatigue, the fevers, all of that, the headaches, the body aches. But by day 12, 13, she turned around at home. And this could be all of us. I mean, there are folks in their 90s, 80s who have recovered from COVID. You get what I'm saying? And I noticed that in the hospitals that the ones that recover, that if you look at their history and their other problems, they don't really have medical problems and they're slim. You know, I noticed that most people who are obese who get COVID, you're done. So the problem isn't necessarily COVID. The problem is the condition that your body is in before COVID. You get what I'm saying? Yes. So this, I hope that this is a wake-up call for us Americans. Despite all the government stuff, we need to continue to make our, put ourselves in the best, uh, set our best foot forward and to just have the best health that we can have. Yep. So you, that was already apparent to you years and years and years yep. ago, but this just made it blatantly, blatantly obvious. Right. Thank you. Thank you for the work that you've done. Thank you for... Um, just all of the known and unknown things that none of us were, will ever even understand that you've had to see, that you've had to, um, that you've just gone through. Like you've shared some of it with me and it breaks my heart because it's just so much. It's so much. Like you said, it's a movie. It's like a bad movie. So I just, my heart goes out to you and, and everyone of the people that you've been working with um, and all the families and the people that have been affected. It's just, it's so, so, so much. So. We've come to two months later and now you're in New York and now we have rallies and riots and I'm in Chicago. I'm looking out my window. All the bridges are up. All the highways are closed. No one can get in the city. I mean, this is this is wow. a crazy. This is a crazy time. It's a crazy time in history. And anyone, <laughs> I think, with a beating heart can feel the depth of the. The all of the emotions, it's, it's every emotion on the spectrum, and I just feel like they've intensified. So I just want to hear your perspective on what's going on and how all of us can be of true service, true service. Right. So, I mean, we've got remember the problem here now is twofold, right? Well, so we've got the whole health issue crisis and now we've got a social crisis uh, of a social nature with racism and more, uh, specifically the the umbrella of the <laughs> a racist structure that allows for um, a police uh, officer to do what he's done and to be able to get away with it. And actually, it looks like he's getting, he's being supported. Um, first of all, I, I'm going to answer the question. You haven't asked it, but you asked it before. So I want to share this. And as a black man, especially a guy like me, I'm 6'3", 240 pounds, right? And I'm broad, I'm muscular. You get to have a build. As a, as a black man, I, I only know how to be what I've been, right? So I, I, my experience in life has only been from that of a, of a black person, a black man. So all this stuff, I got to tell you right now, none of this is new. And what I'm seeing, though, is that for the first time um, in my life, and I, I think for a lot of other people, the awareness of it is actually people are actually waking up to the realities of a black person living in America. I think that's really what's going on right now. Right. And then you have mixed 
reaction from that. You have mixed uh, feelings, right? So you have people who are still, they're now aware, but they're, uh, you know, but uh, they're, they're saying things like, oh, I mean, why, why do you have to boot me? Why do you have to do this? Why do you have to riot? Right? So there's some insensitivity going on, right? And then there's some people who are like, wow, I mean, I know this has been going on, but now I get it. Now I get it, right? But for me, it's this is all I know. So I've always seen, I told you the story just a while ago, like within the last two weeks, I was walking out of my uh, hospital, going to the train station, you know, all down Queens Boulevard, you know, in, in Queens. And just in a nutshell, uh, a couple hits the corner and they're now on the same sidewalk as me facing it probably about 50 feet away. And as soon as they see me, they take a few steps and the man kind of pulls the, it looks like his wife, uh, out, like out uh, into the street on the other side of the cars that are parked. And they go ahead and pass me up. Now, mind you, I'm wearing what I'm wearing now, you know, I've got some scrubs on, you know, I've got a mask on, I've got glasses on, you know, glasses, come on. <laughs> so they walk past me. So I say, you know what? This is weird. So I go, okay, maybe I'm a healthcare worker. Maybe they're just scared because it's COVID. So let me see what happens. So maybe they walk another 25 feet, 30 feet or so, and they now get back on the sidewalk. So they're now back on the sidewalk, and I just wanted to see what they would do um, to all the other healthcare workers that are also walking out of the hospital onto the street. And sure enough, continued on the sidewalk, walking right past them. All the other ones were white. Now, I know that it's, it's forest field. You know, I later learned that I'm in a very predominantly white neighborhood. So maybe there's fear, whatever it is. But the fact that this is going on in 2020, it's like, I'm dumbfounded. I'm dumbfounded that there's so much fear at 730 in the morning. For a black man in scrubs with a badge on, you can see his badge. You know, someone that if you were in the, you came to the hospital, I'd be part of the, the team saving your life. It's really? just so wild. Test compressions all day long. So wild. I'd be part of the team saving your life. Um, but yet, you know, there's still this kind of fear going on. So, you know, it's unfortunate what's happening. And it's unfortunate, too, that it's taking days of rioting, things going, you know, being set ablaze, looting for four people, four cops who are clearly involved in the murder of someone to just simply be arrested. There, in the meantime, there have been hundreds of people, hundreds of protesters arrested. And we still can't get all four of the people who clearly murdered someone arrested. It's, it is beyond me. And let's not even speak about the, 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 uh, the Karen, the Central Park Karen, you know? <laughs> we got to share that. Who on video said, I'm going to call, you know what? You're calling me out. What I'm going to do is I'm going to call the police and tell them that an African-American man is harassing. So this is someone who knows the power that she has as a white woman. And she also knows the power of what she's seen and to have to be willing to weaponize that in, in, uh, to a black man. This is the day and age that we live in. And people are now like people at first like, OK, maybe that, that happens. But to, to have that caught on camera is. Is amazing. It's, it's amazing. So for the first time, these things that were uh, more so hearsay, or maybe you might see it on a movie, is in real life, and people are seeing it. Right. So that's what I, I think this was this happening now. But I do have a take on what it is 
that's going to really create real change. And although people are protesting, I was in a protest two days ago, you know, people are protesting, you know, we're making phone calls, we're making things happen. I, I think that there's a powerful start, but we have such a long way to go. And, and, and it's not going to happen solely by asking um, the powers that be to change policies and this, and, you know, in a systemic level, it's going to happen from the inside. And, you know, you and I were talking about that early. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen within our communities. That's my belief on that. Um, for example, um, I have to say this. I'm going to give you the same, um, the, the same analogy. So I was in, in the third grade. I had a bully. So um, he bullied me for an entire year. So he would pick on me, tease me in front of other, other people. Um, and I'm not going to say he would beat me up, but he would definitely hit me from time to time, you know? And I always told him, stop, you know, stop, stop. <laughs> and um, I'd have other people ask him to stop, um, and he never stopped. And uh, I did tell my dad this. My dad, what did he do? Took me to uh, martial arts, like, I, I studied Shaolin and I studied uh, karate. So Shaolin and karate. And I did that for a year. So they reached one time in the fourth grade. He he uh, he hit me in the back of my head and I whooped his ass. I whooped his ass and he never touched me again. So the reason why I'm, I'm and I have to say this because there's two things that, that I, I can connect to what's going on right now. There's two things. The first one is I, I, although I'm not going to be the one to set cars on fire, buildings on fire, you know, loot, I'm not even the one to be aggravate, you know, to aggravate police at a protest. I was at the protest. It was peaceful. Matter of fact, I talked to policemen because I look at them as fellow men and women. At the end of the day, they're human beings just like me. Right. And they're not the ones who murdered who, you know, George Floyd. So I get that. But I'm going to do for the cause. So the first thing is I don't blame um, the folks who are doing that for doing that because, I mean, what has peaceful protesting done? You know, we 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 begged, uh, we we got on a knee. Colin Kaepernick got on a knee. He was he was ridiculed. He was made fun of. You know, um, so all these things have happened, but nothing has changed. So what else y'all expect people to do? You know, peaceful protest. People don't listen. Right. So sometimes I've told people this. Sometimes you got to kick somebody in the face and they'll take you serious. Sometimes you got to punch somebody in the face and they'll actually take you serious. You know, and that's unfortunately, that's how the world works. So I, I, I get that that is a protest. But the thing is, if we want the real change that we're looking for, it's not going to happen because of that. It's not going to happen because we're looting, because we're rioting. Sure, it may get some people convicted. That's what we're looking for. But it's not going to get the real change that we're looking for. The real lasting change we're, gonna, we're looking for co- is going to come from within. It's going to come from our Black community coming together, creating collectives, start to build, um, work together, have our own communities, and have power in the community that can affect change. That's how this is going to happen long term. And so in order to do that, though, there's a lot of healing that's got to take place. There's a lot of unlearning that's got to take place. You know, there's a, you know, we, one of the biggest things we have is disdain for one another. So we have to, first of all, look at each other as that's one of me. That's that this person with this skin color is me, you know? And that's one of the first things that the, I would say the basic thing that, that we have to get there, we have to get there first. 
because we're not there. I got to say it. We're not there. So I was able to defeat a bully because I developed some skills within myself to do that. You know, I took my freedom. You know, the freedom happens because we take it, not because it's given to us. Freedom is never given. It's taken. This is how it's happened in any other society. Look at America. How did America become America? The American Revolution. They had to loot. Ironically, they had to they had to riot, they had to loot, and they had to kill to make things happen, you know, and become the independent um, nation that, that we are today. So in a nutshell, that's that's the biggest thing I have to say is that I love it. I mean, this is we're we're making progress, but we're not done. We've got a lot of work to do within ourselves. And that's going to be the hardest thing that we're going to have to do. And when you say within ourselves, you know, I would just like to second that it's within all people, because I think the minds and hearts of all people need to remain open to love and to seeing people as their brother and sister. Like, it's not just. Obviously, it's not just black people that don't that are fighting against each other. You know, I I would extend that invitation to every single person to examine their own heart, to examine the own boundaries and separations and walls that we've placed against another. Um, It's it's sad. It's painful. It's 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 hard to look at. And. um, I think there's so, so, so much forgiveness that gets to happen so so much forgiveness that gets to happen um yeah it feels never ending like of the amount of forgiveness that has to occur (laughs) here because it just feels like this has been going on for so long like how many Mm. times can we say sorry it's not just saying sorry it's um creating the change literally creating the change i'm sorry and here is how we're we're changing Here's how how um, things are going to shift. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about generations and generations of pain and unraveling hundreds and hundreds of years of indoctrination. Hundreds and hundreds of years. So there's a lot to unpack. There's a lot to unravel. Um, I mean, we have to start somewhere, right? (laughs) We we have to start somewhere. Um, and I'm excited uh, as to where we're going. It's unfortunate that we have to witness it go down like this. But every start, the start of every independent nation, for the most part, it started with some, with tearing some things up, tearing some things up and tearing some things apart, some violence. If you think about it, you know, it, it, most na- independent nations have started with, with violence. Um, and I just hope that through this, we, we, we see as a black community, we see within ourselves, okay, this is what we've been able to accomplish because we banded together. Now what? Let's, let's continue this. Let this be a thing, an actual thing. Let's get together. Let's cooperate. Let's create collectives. You know, let's create group economics. Like the Jews, I always say, like the Jews, you go into ma- major cities in this country, you see uh, a Jewish population. Or another thing, you see a Chinatown. You know, a Chinatown happens, why? Because the Chinese who move into that area decide, they decide that they're gonna work together and they're gonna create a collective. And they're able to claim a piece of someone else's land. 
<laughs> and make it their own with their own billboards, their own, you know, their own language on their buildings. Why? Because, because they're, they're willing to work together and they see one another as the, themselves. Mm-hmm. So all in all, I'm excited it's our, 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 for our direction. Yeah. Yeah, I think that there's there's so much change that gets to happen. Like COVID showed us so much in terms of the medical system. You know, this is showing us so much in terms of our social system. But I just don't believe that a law can change minds and hearts. And I I right. I don't think policy can change the minds and hearts of someone. So I, I think right. there's that's the work that you and I can do. These are the conversations that we can have to peel back the own layers inside of ourselves. And um right. you know, I just every single person, no matter what the color of their skin, has the right to pursue their dreams and their God-given gifts, talents, what they're here to do on this planet. And we're not asking, Black America is not asking for special treatment. They're asking for equal treatment, which is so necessary, important, and it's a God-given right. Like it's, it's, it's their birthright. It's our birthright. And, and we, we must change we we it's 2020 we must change like there's nothing else to say like it's 2020 you're right, you're right. you know you're morgan right. one of our business partners together like we were just crying on the phone together yesterday her dad and her facetimed me because down in beverly you know tons of black owned businesses just looted destroyed people going with bins and just grabbing stuff and they're luckily their business didn't get um you know, broken into, they were totally fine and unaffected, but they were just so sad. And then she got home and her grandmother, who literally every single person knows her grandmother, like I love her grandmother. Her grandmother is a literal earth angel, just was crying. Like Grandma Shar doesn't cry. She dances every day. She's the most joyful. She's a ball of love, like living love. She was crying and she just said, it's been 90 years of this, 90 years and that that broke my heart like you know for her because you know i can't really imagine but it's like i'm sure she definitely thought morgan's generation would be okay and definitely thought the next generation would be okay and to be going out at 90 watching this has got to be heartbreaking yeah so um yeah there's so much that we can change. So I know you and I were talking about um, some people that we we want to get behind and we have gotten behind. Like we've made calls. We've um, signed petitions. Sean King is doing really, really, really great work. We want to start backing him in different ways. Is there any other like tools and resources or anything that you can direct people to to just start learning? educating themselves, taking action. This is the people that listen to this are like action oriented people, whether they're on a spiritual path, whether they're entrepreneurs and they're, they're committed to building access opportunity. They're leaders of organizations. They're thought leaders that listen to this. Like how can we be thinking in business, in life, in our own minds and hearts, like give us tools, action steps. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the first thing, what we're doing right now, obviously is um, and I know that you plan to release this soon. So people yeah. that are in, in cahoots. Yeah. So what I love is that this guy, Sean King, he's an activist and he's solely committed to justice um, 
for, you know, for the black community, folks in our in the black community. And I just love we've needed a leader like this. Um, and I'm, I'm just so blessed. I, I feel so blessed that we have him because he's somebody who he's done the backward. And all we have to do is take simple actions. But these simple actions, what he's done is he's created them in a way where when we take the simple action, it leads to powerful change and actual results, you know, because all we know, I, I'll be honest with you, all I knew to do was to get out there and protest. But we all know protesting really isn't isn't the thing. That's not really what, what was working here. What's working is also on top of that, the behind the scenes work. So Sean King, S-H-A-U-N-K-I-N-G, if you follow him on Instagram, I promise you, you will not be disappointed. Um, he's created an entire uh, organization that is dedicated for this. And I'm talking about he's raised money for this um, to, to make this happen, which I've donated to as well. Because, for example, each day that uh, these phone calls are made from all over the country, millions and millions of phone calls have been made to these offices to make sure that things are moved along. People are being arrested. People are being fired, you know, that need to be fired. Justice is being served. This is $150,000 that's being spent in a day to make sure that the system that is running and the people that are running the system, that this takes place, you know? So if you're donating money, you can just, all you need to do is just follow him and he will point you to what you need to do in order to donate money. And then on top of that, you can donate your time. What do I mean by that is the phone calls you make. You know, I've, um, I've uh, enrolled in his listserv, his email list. And so you get an email list and you get an email on things that are happening in the second by the day. And he like just very, very specific action items. And I love that because I don't have to think. All I have to do is log in and he says, okay, do this. And here's why I'm doing it. You know, the other day I made phone calls. I made, I called one number and he built this service and literally each of them, you, you, it takes you through a phone call. And some of them might be busy because so many other people have called, right? Um, and you'll notice the mailboxes are full. You just stay on the line and keep pressing star. He, he, you know, they've connected it where each, the numbers that matter, the phone numbers of the people in the offices that can make these moves matter, that matter are being connected. So it's just amazing. Between him and then um, the lawyer by the name of Lee Merritt, who essentially is a civil rights um, lawyer, federal civil rights lawyer. Between these two, these two are implementing active change. So that is my go-to. That's my centerpiece. That's what I look to. And I'm, I'm once again, I'm just blessed that we have him and we have Lee Merritt as well, who's the lawyer that's, that, that prosecutes these and fights these cases. So I would say go to them um, and from them, they often name drop other people and you can follow it through there. Is there anything else that you feel is important to share that we haven't touched on? Yeah, well, uh, yeah, I would say number one is, OK, I get that a lot of people I just a lot of people may not understand uh, still why a lot of these things are happening. And I just uh, implore you that you be uh, open-minded and you may not necessarily focus on what's happening, the looting, um, even though it is terrible. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't set cars on fire. 
a lot of people are focused on those acts, those items um, or those things. But I would implore that you focus on the root of this. What's the root? You know, the root is it's taken six days of rioting to put one person, one cop, you know, who had his knees and his complete body weight on a man's neck. A grown man, 46 years old, who's a father, okay, over um, a $10 bill, <laughs> okay, over over some counterfeit money who, I, I know I've had counterfeit money that's exchanged hands only because change was given to me that I didn't realize that it was fake. A lot of you might have as well. You don't, you, you're not even aware of it, okay? So- one man who's done that and and he won't be convicted and it took doing all this for an entire nation in 50 states people out in the streets doing this for one man to be convicted where in this case if it was another race this would have been done just like that yeah you know i want you guys to understand i, I just really hope that you understand that um and i get it once again, I, w- I wouldn't do what, what's happening now. But for years and years and years, people have been protesting and protesting is not cutting it. Right. So what would you do? Right. What would you do? If that was your father, your son, your if brother. You, what would you do? You know, yeah. what would you do? You knew that peaceful protesting wouldn't work. Yeah. You bring up such a good point. It's like we keep looking at. I don't know. The word's not coming to me, but like. what happens so like the result but we we have yet yet as a nation as a collective to be willing to go to the root cause and i believe until we go to this root cause and we heal the next thing is going to come forward it's been happening and happening and happening and this one yeah was pretty loud so a lot of people are looking because it's completely inhumane in every sense of the word but unfortunately it's just one other example and it's a result of the deep, 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 deep wounds inside of America, yeah. deep mm-hmm. wounds inside of America that are coming to the surface for deep all wounds, people. Yeah. We need to look at the wound coming up inside of each of us. What's coming yeah. forward. The amount of tears I've cried over the past four days, they're actually I don't really understand them. They're that much, you know, and, and, and I have to look at that. I do I have to look at that because that's part of my healing and my healing is a part of the collective healing. You know, and we have to heal. This is an opportunity for us to heal. COVID, like you said, is an opportunity for us to heal our bodies. We're not taking care. We're not taking care of our health. This is an opportunity for us to heal our psyche and and the things that have been implanted in us that are not healthy and of God, right? Like this is this whole time is for us to pluck out stuff that's no longer working and serving us to be humans together and to live together. That's right. And so as as different issues keep coming up and I just pray that more of us can look at the collective, like look at the collective anger and sit with it for a second. Mm. It's not about the looting. People are hurting, hurting, hurting. And it's not just up to those that are hurting to heal. It's not. It's not. It's up to all of us to heal. All of us to heal. We have to do this together. You shared that one of the most important things to you that you've noticed is that in order to create 
long-term change, we have to change from the, the community, from the inside out, our communities from the inside out. And I just would love if you could expand on that concept and just what that means, like break that down. Why do we need to change inside of our communities first? So remember, like I, I have said to you before, um, freedom uh, is, is, t- is, is always taken. It's never given. So if you, you know, in order for us to do that, we have to build strength in who we are as a people. And in order to do that, we have, there's a lot of things we need to patch up inside of our community. The biggest thing I would say from experience as, as a black person in America, and I got to say this too, is, is our disdain for one another inside of the community. You know, that's huge. And unfortunately, I got to say this, this has been taught by slave owners. Like this is, this has been something that has been planned like to, to, uh, to, in, to indoctrinate black uh, slaves and and this is this is psychologically planned. Like this has been very very planned. Um, so we have a we have, and we have hundreds of years of that, you know. And I would I mean there's like three ways that I've mentioned to you before. You know, colorism, for example, is how a light skinned person versus a dark skinned person that there's a rift between that typically. There's an unspoken rift, which I think is ridiculous, but it exists. You know. The second thing is cla- a class issue. Where the lower class versus the middle class, where they're once someone elevates themselves to a new class, they typically don't want to associate themselves anymore with the lower class. Um, you know, in terms of black people, you know, they want they don't want to do any, they want to have anything to do with. It. Yeah, that's another thing, right? So, can you imagine, like, if we have people leaving the community who make it, and then they just abandon the the, the community, <laughs> the rest of the community? We're not really going to grow as people. That's never, that's never going to happen, right? And and so I, I have to even say this. You know, g- growing up, I grew up here in in LA in South Central. Um, I do identify as Nigerian. My parents are Nigerian, and I, I did go to high school in Nigeria. And even my experience was a unique experience. Like I had a lot of, I faced a lot of prejudice from black people growing up. You know. And and that that is is wild is wild to, to to say that it's wild to say it, but that is true. Like I, you know, I had my doors pissed on. I had rocks thrown through my windows. You know, for we were called African booty scratcher growing up. <laughs> it's it's, it's terrible. Wild. But that is the I, right as ridiculous as it sounds. I like laughing because it's just the dumbest thing. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. You know, and it's funny because I, I got to tell you this too. I got to tell you this. I remember the conversations I would have. They go, "Oh, you're not black." And I'm like, okay, if I'm not black, then what am I? Am I white? They're like, no, nah, but you're not black. You know, like it would, people, that's, these are the conversations that they would have with. So as black people, we would be looked at as not black, as outsiders. So there's a big problem in our community with that. And in order to, for us to elevate who we are as a people, that's got to stop. Like it, we have to get to the point where I, if I see another black person who let's say they're mixed, because that's often a problem, too. If someone's very light skinned because they're mixed. Right. I'm not white enough. I'm not black enough. But they're not black enough. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. You know, so in order for us to come together, that's that has to stop <laughs> like that. I, it's got to get to the point where I see someone else and I know that they're black and I go, this is me. 
this person is me. And because this person is me, I'm going to look out for this person like I would look out for myself. Right. Because I that love, I love and I accept me. Mm-hmm. And because I love and I accept me for all that I am, I love right. and accept you for all that you are. Yes. So that and again so goes back inside. And it go- Exactly. There's a deeper layer to that. And that, uh, once again, is a problem in our community is love and accepting of self, owning, owning the beauty of self. Yes. Yes. It's so deep. It's so so deep. We have a lot of work to do. We have a lot of work to do with our men. We have a lot of work to do with with our men. I I would it would start with that, uh, actually. It would definitely start with that. So we we have a lot of. Work when you say do. we have a lot of work to do with our men, give me an example of what you mean by that. Well, this is this is this. Um, it's very rare that you find a black man who who is not only grounded in himself and his identity, um, but is also a leader who leads others, um, who's a stand up man in their community. We we have people like that, but they're rare. You know, the norm should be. That is common. <laughs> that should be the norm. The norm should be that it, it it exists in every family, almost every family. So how do we get men to be truly confident in who they are in their own identity? Well, we have we have to we we it's going to take a commitment from our black men to first acknowledge that there there is a, a missing that there's a gap here with that and. To be able to acknowledge that is the hardest thing. That's going to be the hardest part. After that, now you want to seek, okay, how do I get from where I'm at to where I can be that? You get what I'm saying? And that's going to require self-work, a lot of self-work, therapy, counseling, seminars, transformation seminars. It's going to take a lot of that work, that inner work. And we've done years of this. I've seen you break down walls, boohooing, bringing your dad into the conversation, bringing your whole family into the conversation, rebuilding your family. I've seen you do this work. You tell how hard that was. Yeah. But what's crazy is I've done this work, but I've had a presence of a grounded father in my life. So if if that's the work that I've done, that means that... Our black men who haven't had fathers, and that's unfortunate. That's actually most of us now. I know. We have a lot more work to do because I've I've been fortunate to have an example in my life, but most of our black men haven't. They've never seen that in real life. Like they never lived with it. I've lived with it and see. I wake up in the morning. I see a, a you know a dad that's grounded, that's there, that that is committed to being who he is as a man, who knows who he is as a man. There's a power in that. There's mm-hmm. a power in that as a man. And our men are missing that. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot, we have a lot of work to do, and it's gonna take that kind of commitment. Mm-hmm. But you gotta remember, we're dealing with hundreds and hundreds of years um, of that being missing. By design, unfortunately, it's been by design by slave owners in the past, by white slave owners. So we have our work cut out for us. But I'm excited of the direction that we're going. But that is what it's gonna take. And, and and you and I have been witness to so many beautiful men that have gone down this personal transformation path that have become leaders of their family that have broken chains. I mean, 
look at our dear friend Keon Owens, what what he's overcome and who he's become and, and the present father he's become, you know, um, through the power of association with other kind, like mar- like minded exactly. souls on that same path. So the community is so important too, who Very you surround important. yourself with because crabs in a bucket is a real thing, as you said. That's right. That's right. Uh, who you associate Absolutely. with, the people that you surround yourself with, the conversations you surround yourself with, what you're putting in your ears, what you're listening to, you know, all of it is so, so, so important. Well, uh, that's another thing to acknowledge you for. Sometimes I forget how much work you've done on yourself because it's such a part of your walk yeah. and a part of your life. It's just so a part of who you are. But there's been real walls uh, stripped down. What would you say your greatest awakening and coming home to yourself has been? Uh, it's just it's to trust myself. Um, I, I I just didn't I didn't trust in my own voice. I didn't trust myself. I didn't have confidence in um, in my belief of who who I am and in in my own decision making ability. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be the biggest thing. How did you get that? What what new stories did you create, or or what did you have to rewire to trust yourself again and to hear that voice? Again? Well, first first it, it it required unpacking. So you, I had to unpack what, what the root. So where is this coming from? What was it? And what I didn't know it was that I spent a lot of my childhood and my adolescence, in my adolescence. Um, really leaning into my father's uh, suggestions and advice in just who he is. And so as a dad, he meant well, um, and he, you know, would guide me, be it very stern, but he would guide me. But I made it mean something that it didn't mean. That's the problem. And I made it mean that, oh, I need to just listen to him. And what I made it mean was it, you know, my, my opinion what I think about it doesn't matter. Let me just listen to my dad. Right, right. <clears throat> what I think about it doesn't uh, it doesn't really matter. So how does it play? You know, as as you can see, it plays. It now played into my life, and it manifested in certain ways in my early twenties, where I I wouldn't make a decision, and I, the decision I would make would be to please someone else, would be to please authority, even if. Deep down inside, it felt like it wasn't for me. I didn't have, I didn't, I didn't have, I didn't have the the guts to challenge it, or I didn't have the guts to go in, in the direction that I saw fit for me. As you can tell, like, can you imagine if I didn't do that work? It would, you know, that would lead to a well, lot. Well, you'd just of, be uh, playing really small. Like you, you, you wouldn't yeah. have had the voice. I might be playing. I wouldn't say that though, because. I got to say, you know, the, the, the moves that I made when I was younger were big moves. But the thing is, I'll never fully take credit for it because deep down, deep down, I know that it wasn't, it didn't come from me. Mm. So if I don't take credit for it because it didn't come from me, there's no confidence built from that. There's no strength that's built from that. So I walk around feeling like now I need to, I need to find out who else I need to please. Who when you live a life like that, you'll never be fulfilled. Yeah. yeah. So now even though I don't care if I lose, like I could be losing money. I could be losing time. But because I'm living now on my own accord, I'm doing what Val wants to do. 
I spent the last five years doing what Bao wants to do. I want to go to Ghana. I'm doing it because it's what I want to do. Right. Oh, somebody's telling me, oh, you, you could do this. You could do that. That's cool. But it's not really, I'm not feeling that. Right. Well, that's living in alignment mm-hmm. because everything else exactly. was noise. That's exactly. why this podcast is called Activate because it's about living in alignment. It's about peeling back that la- those layers to right. hear that voice. And when we are right. in so much pain, it's hard to hear that voice. So, so our healing collectively is essential to knowing what our, our best next move is to make change in our own lives and the lives of the collective, which you're doing now because you can hear that voice because you trust yourself. Right. Yep. And it's funny because like, let's say, for example, I have peers who are making moves in different areas and they're succeeding. And I'm like, oh my God, that's amazing. But I no longer feel like something is wrong with me. Because they're moving up in, in a certain area and I'm not just yet. Oh, trust me, I'm fine because I'm I'm moving on my own accord. Right. And with that comes the confidence that I'm gonna achieve it on the time on my own time when I want to achieve it. Exactly. You know, and and that's possible and really believe that though. Not because I'm telling myself that, really believe that. Yeah. You know what kind of power that can, the power that comes with that is 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 out of this world. That's the power so that working. everyone's looking for. That's the power. Exactly. And and you and what's what's cool is that when you when you see people, what I've come, come to find out is when I meet people, I can see that whether or not they have it by looking at them. You can see it in someone's eyes. You can see the strengths in who someone knows it, in their own strength, a, a sense of self. Um, but you can look in their eyes and see their strength, their self, their, their sense of self. So it's it's a, it's it's amazing, but it takes the work to get to that point, mm-hmm. and it takes the willingness to fail when everyone's told you don't go there, and then you go there and fail. But you went there because you wanted to go there. And yeah, and it was in your heart because it was your own learning. That's the win, though. That's the win. <laughs> right, right. That is the win. Crazy. That is the win. It's so crazy. <laughs> You know, another thing that I want to share and and I just want to acknowledge you for is you've always been someone that's just like without question, you've like taken action no matter what it is. So with this, you know, you're in the middle of COVID, you're serving on the front lines, you're doing chest compressions at night, you're also out on the streets, peaceful protesting, praying for people, talking to cops, having thoughtful conversations. Not only that, you have created one of the dopest nonprofits I I can't believe I didn't acknowledge this in the beginning of collecting masks and ventilators for frontline workers. And I just really want to acknowledge you for your willingness in such a quick amount of time to coordinate such an incredible effort and hand deliver these items. First of all, collect the money, create the resources to, to get them, find points for them to be shipped to, and then distribute them, hand distribute them to frontline workers. So. I don't know if you want to say anything else about that and if the PPE collective is or is PEE. No, you had it right. The PPE first time. collective yeah. is um, still happening and available, but I just wanted to acknowledge you for that. No, I appreciate it. And and, and I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll quickly say something. It's just, you know, that thing was there was a need. And I just thought to myself, hey, if there's a way we can help out with that, let's just do it. You know, it's not something that's meant to be ongoing necessarily because. Um, I'm, I'm sure although math will be a, a, an issue for a while now, it will continue to be an issue. It, 
it's gotten better at a lot of hospitals. So um, I'm I'm really glad I got to we got to do because I I had a team that supported me. You know, I'm just glad we got to do it. And but imagine if we can think like that for one another. You know, on, on a bigger scale. I mean, come on. <laughs> you know, there's so many so many things would be um, our world would be a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just thank you for continuing to be an example for all of us. One thing I admire about you is like true exampleship. You radiate love and service in everything you do, in the conversations you have, in the kindness of your voice and heart, in how you use your gifts in every avenue of your life, with your family, with how you show up at work, with how you treat every single person you come across, with the thoughtful conversations you continue to have, you know, in behind closed doors and publicly. It just, it's, you're just a man of excellence and integrity and it's it's just amazing to know you. I just really, 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 really want to acknowledge you. And this is, I know, just the beginning of all the work that you're going to do. All the work that you're going to do. Oh, man. So much ahead of you. It's like you're young blood still. Yeah, I like to think that, you know. <laughs> You've done a lot, like though. How old are you? How young are you? I'm 31. I'm 31. Okay. Well, I'll be 32, though, in October. So. so what's the plan to go to Africa? Get everyone hype about what's the next adventure for you? Or are you staying well, listen, in the States being listen, an activist? What's happening for you? Listen, there's two things. You know, we're helping people continue to be healthy in in, um, in Ghana. We're starting in Ghana. But you help and people then, all over the world. Let's make that clear. That's right. <laughs> that's right. You know? And so we're starting, we're starting in Ghana. And then, and then the, the goal is to create a way for people to be productive and to and and to end poverty you know there's a way to end poverty in ghana you know there's people out there who and the u.s please and the u.s please yes absolutely everywhere so i'm excited about it because we, we need the help we need it we all need it how can people uh get behind you in your next adventure well i would say look it, whenever I do, when when I do have updates, I, I just put it out. So if you're, if I'm on Instagram or if you're on Instagram, follow me. Um, the the handle is Val Ewudo, so I'll spell it V A L E W U D O. And I'm I'm always I'm very active on there. Um, shoot me a DM, but in, in the meantime, I am always on there and I post what I'm up to. Thank you guys so much for listening. Please share this episode and DM us. We'd love to interact with you about all you learn and create from this. If you love this podcast, please go ahead and subscribe to get real-time updates when all new episodes go live. And if you can, please leave us a review. It will help us grow our community and our message to support more leaders on their growth journey. If you want to continue to hang out with me, follow me on Instagram at Laura E. Holloway and subscribe to my weekly newsletter at lauraeholloway.com for weekly downloads, blogs, upcoming workshops, events, and more. Stay aligned and make your move. I'll see you next week.